The writer Leo Tolstoy wrote a scene set at a party. And the party is a bit wild. There is even a bear. Somebody brought a bear to the party. A character named Pierre decides to show the group how courageous and daring he is. He says that he will dare to balance on a narrow window ledge several stories above the ground if someone bets him. The group knows that he's not the most coordinated person, so they tell him, don't do it. He says, I will do it. Even if no one bets me, I'll do it. People grab his arms to stop him. But he was stronger than them all combined. He just throws them off, intent on doing the dare. The host of the party says to the, to the people, that will never stop him. You can't stop him that way. But I know how to deal with him. So the host turns to Pierre and says, I will take your bet tomorrow. Right now, we're going to head to another party. All right, says Pierre, let's go. And he picks up the bear and starts dancing with the bear. The next day, he does not remember the bet. So the host of the party did not use force to shut him down. The host just redirected his energy, and it worked. Leo Tolstoy did not believe in fighting fire with fire. Tolstoy wrote the book War and Peace, and he comes out on the side of peace. But not the false peace of cowardice, uh, a nonviolent resistance that achieves peace through other modes of action. Gandhi credits Tolstoy with teaching him nonviolent resistance. Gandhi used techniques such as non-cooperation, protest, civil disobedience, rather than fighting fire with fire. And then chain goes back earlier than Tolstoy because Tolstoy credits the American, an American named Aidan Ballou for teaching him nonviolent resistance. Aidan Ballou was a universalist minister in the 1800s. And he was one of those ministers who sometimes served in universalist congregations, sometimes served in Unitarian congregations. Decades before the Unitarians and the Universalists merged, there was plenty of interplay between them. And Aidan Ballou's nonviolent resistance was based on the following. He said, we cannot render evil for evil, nor do other than to love our enemies. He said, rather than fight violence with force, we need to find peace in our hearts, and we need to build alternatives. He created an intentional community called Hopedale to show the world how it could be done. He did speak up for social change in the larger society, such as for the abolition of slavery, but he believed in using persuasion, not war. Nonviolence worked in India to get the British Empire out. How much could nonviolence have done on its own to end slavery? Was Aidan Ballou naive? You might agree with Ballou, Tolstoy, and Gandhi that we shouldn't fight fire with fire, and you might disagree with, with them. And you might say it depends on the situation. Today we explore the question, what are the alternatives? 
what other options do we have when we are dealing with injustice, aggression, and anger? While I was writing this, I paused and I just tuned into my body and I wrote the following. I notice that I partly feel calm and I partly feel some intensity. Today's political culture is fraught. Lives are on the line, mental health is on the line, sometimes civil society is on the line. So getting your back up and getting angry seems appropriate. But Bruce Lee taught that action comes from stillness. Effort comes from calm. So as I sit here, I am also cultivating an inner peace. So I don't have to be reactive and fight fire with fire. I might decide that fire is warranted. But let's look at the alternatives. The elements of earth, air, fire, and water have been described in pagan practices, in Greek philosophy, in, in Tibet, in India, and more. And there's often a fifth element, perhaps ether or void. In the Chinese system called Wuxing, there are five elements. Earth, fire, water, metal, and wood. Wuxing teaches how these elements interact. Wood feeds fire. Fire produces earth. Earth bears metal. Metal collects water. Water nourishes wood. And the cycle begins again. That's when the elements are helping each other. Um, rather than translating the word as elements, sometimes they use the word agents uh, because they are agents. They act on each other. For example, a group of people are hanging out, just going with the flow, not really doing anything. Someone comes along and says, let's play soccer. And suddenly they have a structure, they're active and engaged. Highly adaptable people can be like water, behaving very differently when they are given structure. So metal can shape water. I invite you to think of someone that you just love being around. Of someone you just love being around. Is this person earthy or watery or fiery in a way that really works for you? Does this person's dominant element complement yours? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe you just get along because they're just like you. But maybe your elements are different but complementary. So just think of someone you love being around. In the Wuxing Five Elements, another translation, instead of elements, is to call them the five phases. You go through phases from one element to the next. So for example, if we decided to spend a whole day together at church with no plan, we might start just by hanging out, going with the flow, not really doing anything. Nobody takes charge, but, but gradually people start doing things, playing games, making food, fixing things, having focused conversations. So instead of being watery, the group is now behaving like wood, growing in new and interesting ways. 
So one element can act on another, and one element can turn into another. Sometimes the elements can destroy each other. Wood extinguishes fire. Earth absorbs water. Wood depletes earth. Metal harvests wood. Fire vaporizes metal. So I invite you to think of someone in your life who really gets your goat. Someone who makes you feel irritated. What, what elements are they? Are they rigid like metal? Are they hurtful like fire? Do they absorb the goodness around them like wood? Maybe you're thinking of someone who's just a jerk, but maybe the main issue is that your elements clash. It can be tempting to become a, to become a master of the five elements. So if, it's, if the situation needs to be shaken up, you become fire. If, you need to chill, if everyone needs to chill out, you become water. If we need structure, you become metal. I can imagine a parent or a coach or a best friend adapting to what is needed in the moment. So becoming a connoisseur of earth, water, fire, metal, and wood would be so empowering and enriching. But it could also feel like losing your sense of self. Kind of like someone who travels the world, learning how to fit into all culture. And sometimes that can work, but that cosmopolitan lifestyle has become its own thing. So instead of fitting in everywhere, you only fit in with other world travelers. So if you learn how to become all five elements, you might not have enough predictability for other people to feel connected to you. So these are powerful forces we are playing with. Do you dare open Pandora's box personality range? Another option is to just commit to being yourself. So if you are earthy, just be earthy. If the situation calls for fire, you don't have to step in. You can call in your fiery friend to take care of things. As a whole church, we have the benefit of our fabulous range of personalities. All are needed. All are part of the mix. We can all be our fabulous selves and complement each other. Today after service, we are having an all-congregation, heart-to-heart conversation about the Article 2 proposal. Article 2 of the UU Association Bylaws, not the church bylaws, but the whole association. Article 2 contains the seven principles and more. So the seven principles might get reworded and placed within descriptions of seven values. And it is a big deal for our association. And the question came up this week, what problem is the proposal trying to solve? I think of three problems that it is trying to solve. In the seven principles, every principle is a promise. You taught me that. Uh, every principle is a promise to take action. Uh, but the seven principles don't explicitly communicate the fire of commitment to take action. So the proposal has verbs in it. It is more, more fiery. The seven principles, I think, do not imply multiculturalism. 
I think you can support the seven principles and believe in a Lord of the Rings type of world where the hobbits are over here, the elves here, the dwarves there. They come together to share self, to solve shared problems, but otherwise they leave each other alone. Um, that's one type of world community. I think there is a way that UU culture has grown, kind of like wood, taking new shapes, but still somehow somewhat particular in the shapes that we take. I think there's a way that we are hobbits with a particular culture. The proposal tries to make room for more shapes and sizes in our congregations. It wants to reshape our element of wood. And the seven principles don't mention marginality. The word marginality is not in the proposal, but I think the idea is in there. Marginality means noticing who is on the edge of the room or who is not in the room at all. So what it would have meant so much to me as a kid if someone had said, Ben, you're very shy. You hide yourself on the edge of the room. How can we help you to feel included? And sometimes just being nice to me wasn't enough. You could argue that marginality is implied by the word equity in our principles. Some argue that bringing in mar marginality more explicitly gives us a boost that we need to really notice um, who's on the edge of the room or not in the room. Uh, they believe that this enriches our soil and strengthens the element of earth. So those are three of the problems that I believe the proposal is trying to solve by adding some fire, reshaping wood, enriching earth. These conversations have been going on for decades with new life breathed in in the 1990s and another wave uh, starting around eight years ago. And this congregation did not have much connection to the broader association for a long time. So for some of us, this Article 2 discussion feels like being tossed in the deep end. And for some, uh, it's a very exciting intellectual path that is that is opened up. You might agree that the proposal solves these problems, uh, while also believing that the proposal creates new problems. Uh, when you imagine reshaping wood, what do you picture? So if you're thinking long term, you might picture some strings attached to branches guiding the new growth. But if you want to reshape wood more immediately, it takes metal tools and maybe some fire to do that. Maybe submerge the wood in water to try and loosen it up. The wood might feel put upon. It might feel like it's losing its right to shape itself. I'll leave for another time what problems might be created by adding verbs to Article 2. I'll simply ask, can you capture the fire of commitment in specific words that might not get revised for another 15 years? And the fire and the flames uh, last that long in a meaningful way. Then there are the complications of marginality, seeing everybody through a thousand different lenses, uh, age, race, gender, accent, personality, a thousand more. And intentional communities often go up in flames when they try to do fairness better. Um, 
So I care about marginality, and it's complicated. I care about broadening our culture, and it's complicated. I care about taking action, and it's complicated. Complicated is not a reason to not try, but when I try, I want to partner with people who recognize the complication. So there are five elements in the mix. There's earth, water, fire, metal, and wood. And some of us would add more elements, one or two more elements to that, and some of us would offer a different me metaphor altogether. It's all good. After the service, when we have our all-congregation heart-to-heart about Article 2, let's notice which elements feel alive. Does the conversation feel earthy, soulful, connected to our best selves? Does it feel watery, moving, and exploring together? Does the conversation feel fiery? And if it does, does it feel fiery in an energizing way or in an unhelpful way? When the element of metal shows up, does it show up as well-organized thoughts? Does it show up as a rigidity that rejects other perspectives? In inter-ministry, we're learning how to bring our elements together in a way that feels enriching, constructive, meaningful, honoring both our individuality and our interdependence. So whether you have been here for years or this is your first Sunday, Thank you for being part of this journey. So please now rise and body your spirit and sing our closing hymn number 311 in the gray hymnal. Number 311 in the gray hymnal, Let It Be a Dance.
Thank you. So we are in the process of looking at our shared principles, values, and agreements. Uh, and if you're if you're new here, maybe you're just you're doing your own internal rethinking all the time. So for us, uh, as an association, the process happens every 15 years to keep things fresh. But the process itself can change us. People can take sides, become more rigid, more like metal. The element of fire can predominate, especially on social media when we talk about this. So today, during our conversation, maybe we make room for the soulfulness of earth, the curiosity of water, and perhaps grow in new ways like wood. And there is room for passion, the passion of fire and the discipline of metal. We will make room for it all today. So let it be a dance. Our chalice-extinguishing chalice words today are by Cindy Terlazzo. Amidst the swirl of life's challenges, fears, and even moments of crisis, I make time to gaze at the night sky to see the vastness there and to remember that this moment in time is but a flicker, not an inconsequential flicker, for what I do and think now does matter. My work, though, is to let the debris of this world pass by while I anchor myself to what I know is true. Love, kindness, compassion, and caring for this precious life, this precious planet, and all that calls this place home. This is my North Star with love as my guide. How can I possibly go wrong? We want to thank Reverend Ben, our accompanist Luna. We also thank our guest readers Mike Brule and Diane Larson, who is also our backup worship leader. Thanks to our volunteer Zoom host John Sharp, producer Pam Midyet, and sound tech Mark Bischoff. Our usher Kathleen Hall, Vicki Staley, and our board member on duty. Was there a board member on duty today? I guess it must have been Lisa. <laughs> we'll blame her. Our flowers this morning are actually compliments of Village Without Walls, which held an event in our social hall yesterday afternoon. It takes many, many hands to make these services happen, and thank you for joining us this morning. Next Sunday's speaker will be member Scott Lindstrom, who will be asking the question, pray much? Lentlessly, but the words we choose to hold close to our hearts determine our well-being. Those closely held words color our view of every moment. Truly, the way we view it is the way we pursue it. Before we end the service, here's our opportunity to connect with one another. Those of us here in the sanctuary can wave to those of you on Zoom, and you can wave back. Now, for those of you at home, you're welcome to stay online after the postlude. 
and chat with other at-home congregants or join our newcomers breakout room. To attend the Heart to Heart discussion, you can go to the calendar on the website at 1145 and click on the link. Those of you here in the sanctuary, please stay and listen to the postlude or else head downstairs quietly so others may enjoy the music. After the postlude, you're invited to join us downstairs in the social hall for soup and then for our Article 2 Heart to Heart discussion. Blessed be. I uh, go, Mark. Oop, thank you. You know, I feel like that wasn't enough dancing, right? Who wants to dance more? I'll run it again. Let it be a dance we do. times and the bad times too let it be a dance morning star comes out at Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 